You're listening to the Ancestral Elements Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Gray. Join me as we cover topics about nutrition, health, and lifestyle so you can have ancestral health in a modern world. Alright, and welcome back everybody to the Ancestral Elements Podcast, episode 14, PCOS with Katie Walchek. I am talking with Katie Walchek today. She is my first guest on the podcast, and she also is my stepsister. We are going to be talking about polycystic ovarian syndrome and her journey through the diagnosis and how she has been slowly over the last decade learning about it and managing it. I wanted you guys to hear it from a female perspective because... As a male, I don't feel that I can do it a whole lot of justice other than breaking it down theoretically. I think it's really important to have a female perspective on this. And you'll hear us go back and forth. Um, You'll hear some of my thoughts on it. You'll hear her entire journey with all of this. She was very candid. I think you're going to get a lot out of this. We talked about nutrition. We talked about lifestyle factors and We talked about adjunct therapies, uh, such as acupuncture. That's what she's primarily using as a support therapy. She was very good about walking through her view of it and how it's not necessarily a death sentence. So if you yourself or you know somebody who is dealing with PCOS, please go ahead and share this with them. I think that there's a lot of valuable nuggets in here that you're going to get a lot out of, and I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. So here's Katie Walchuk. Katie, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. So we're going to be talking about PCOS, your kind of journey over the years, and how you dealt with it. Why don't you start us off by walking us through from the beginning? All right. Well, so I guess I'll start off with uh, giving you a little bit more information about what PCOS is. So um, PCOS is a, a hormonal health condition that actually affects about one in eight women. Um, it's actually the most common female endocrine disorder that's seen in women today and the leading cause of infertility. Mm-hmm. So They classify PCOS as a syndrome and not a disease because it's diagnosed by identifying a specific collection of symptoms instead of um, like the root of the disease and and it rules out all other potential causes. So there's not actually a single test that you can do to find out if you have PCOS. It's not like one blood test and we'll tell you everything. Um, you just have a long list of symptoms and right. tests that kind of correlate to that. And that's basically how, you, how you're able to find out whether you have it or not. Mm-hmm. So my, um, I would say that with PCOS, there are four different types, actually, main types. There are, there are lots of hybrids, but the, main, the four main types of PCOS are androgenic, that you have a higher level of androgens. And uh, androgens are the male sex hormones such as testosterone. You have uh, insulin resistance type of PCOS, which is decreased ability to properly manage your own blood sugar. 
So if you are insulin resistant too much, uh, too much insulin can actually impair your ovulation and can also tell your ovaries basically to produce more testosterone instead of estrogen. So also pretty dangerous because it can lead to eventually things like um, diabetes or, or pre-diabetes, uh, type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. So the third one would be inflammatory. Um, inflammatory meaning like high levels of inflammation. So this one, you can tell that you have it or you can be tested based off of your white blood cell count. And um, oftentimes you'll have symptoms that include digestive issues like IBS or unexplained fatigue, headache, joint pain, uh, skin conditions like eczema or psoriasis, and food sensitivities. Mm-hmm. And the last major one is adrenal fatigue or, um, excuse me, the adrenal uh, type of PCOS. And this is where basically the adrenal PCOS, it's driven by abnormal stress response versus impaired insulin or blood sugar responses like the previously mentioned ones. Right. So for, for me, I, I actually have a combination of three. I have androgenic, insulin resistant, and inflammatory. So I have a lot working against me at this mm-hmm. time. Well, and actually, let me jump in here because mm-hmm. there's already a lot to unpack. So <laughs> let's, yeah, let's kind of unpack this a little bit. So basically, and you'll see this a lot of the times when the medical profession kind of tacks on syndrome at the end of a title or a diagnosis, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where there's, it usually, it always involves multiple systems, right? Mm-hmm. So the title PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, it it basically it infers that it's an ovary issue but mm-hmm. that it's not as simple as that as you just laid out right mm-hmm. you're dealing mm-hmm. with multiple systems of the body and multiple organs of the body so you're dealing with not only the ovaries you're dealing with the pituitary gland it's signaling all that hormonal response you're dealing mm-hmm. with the liver you're dealing with the gallbladder you're dealing with the pancreas Mm-hmm. due to insulin sensitivities or insensitivities in this case, mm-hmm. right? And it's important to note that usually you have a combination of all four things, all four types mm-hmm. of PCOS. It's typically never just a single type. I mean, it can be, but usually it's a combination because you're dealing with a combination of different hormonal cascades and different organs. Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of times too, you know, when they look at you, when you go see your doctor and they look at your ovaries, you don't necessarily have to have cysts on your ovaries Correct. in order to be diagnosed with Yeah, PCOS. which is pretty crazy, right? It is, yeah. And so it's super confusing when you hear this diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome thinking, okay, well, I don't feel any cysts. I don't have any discomfort. I don't even have, like, if you do the ultrasound, nothing shows up. Well, it just goes to show that it's really more hormonal than it is uh, physical right. in the sense of, of tangible, right? Yeah, totally. And the cysts, a lot of, most of the time, it's an end result of inflammation mm-hmm. and exactly. some type of blockage to the ovaries, some type of, whether it's chemical or even nutrient physical physiology blockage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so it's, that's a really important thing to note is that you don't have to have cysts on the ovaries. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Well, and the thing about PCOS that's really something that the doctors typically don't go into further detail about as well, which are all of these these major long-term risks too. So we have the the immediate risks, which I just kind of went through with the four different types, but the long-term, it can be uh, most women with PCOS have higher rates of autoimmune disease, such as Hashimoto especially, um, cancer, because if you're not having a regular period and shedding your uterine lining, you have higher, higher uh, risks of uterine cancer. Mm-hmm. It's not turning um, over cellularly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think that women with PCOS have like 2.7 times the risk of developing endometrial cancers. Mm-hmm. Um, also, ovarian cancers due to fertility drugs. Um, cardiovascular de- disease is also a big problem. So hypertension right. or heart, long-term uh, heart disease, heart attack or stroke. And, and then finally, I think the biggest one is diabetes. So a lot of this, if you don't realize that you have this underlying factor of insulin resistance and you, you know, it's a difficult thing to kind of go through because sometimes you have symptoms that are stronger and sometimes you don't. So um, like in my case, I didn't realize for about 10 years that I had an insulin resistance. And that was only just until actually probably about seven or eight months ago. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. And it's it becomes even a little more complicated than just insulin resistance because what's interesting is the insulin resistance is very tissue specific. Mm-hmm. It Typically, you have insulin resistance in muscle tissue and in adipose mm-hmm. tissue or fat, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the ovaries... And the other organs are actually still sensitive to insulin. But the fact Mm -hmm. that you're not getting a normal regulated hormonal cascade leaves things um, very imbalanced, which again, that's why it's way more of a hormonal issue than it is a tissue or organ specific issue. Mm hmm. Exactly. So it's something that it's really important to catch, especially early on, so Mm -hmm. that you don't later have to then try to reverse diabetes, which, you know, obviously is much more difficult. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm curious, what were you feeling physiologically before your actual diagnosis of PCOS? Like, what led to that diagnosis? It's a long journey. So, so essentially, you know, some of the symptoms, they vary women to women, woman to woman. Uh, and I think that the, the symptoms that I had, they were different each time that, that this syndrome flared up. So um, I'll give you a little bit of history um, about, you know, when I was going through puberty, actually, that's when I first started having irregular periods. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not getting periods very often, or sometimes I would have them, you know, twice in one month. So my mom took me to a naturopathic doctor, which thank you for that, because it really was the first moment of my life that I really understood that there's more than one side to medicine. So this naturopathic doctor, when I was about 13 or 14, I started using uh, progesterone cream and I would use it either once or twice per day. I can't remember, but... Um, This progesterone cream was really helpful because it really put things back into regularity. 
and I noticed that my periods were more regular about 28 days um, and then eventually I was like cool I think that's it right and you know I didn't there really wasn't any diagnosis it was just like this should help you good luck kid and mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. uh, so over the years uh, it wasn't until about 2009 uh, when my husband and I first started dating um, I had switched birth controls and I went from the pill to the ring and I that's where my whole hormonal system changed um, I was getting periods every 14 days uh, wow. Sometimes, wow okay yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was like the major it was you know great for a new relationship uh, and these periods were, you know, super heavy and uncomfortable and it wasn't anything that was, uh, I couldn't do anything about it and I didn't know why it was happening. So, um, then they kind of spaced back out to about 28 days and then they kind of spaced out to about 40 days. Hmm. And then I remember I just started having them and they'd get longer and longer each time. So, um, my average amount of time of having my period would be about nine days I would be bleeding and then it would start progressing and I actually ended up in the emergency room at some point because my period had lasted about 45 days. Jesus. And yeah. I mean, that's, that's a <laughs> it's you, not normal. pretty, no, you know, that's a pretty extreme, uh, issue going on. Yeah. Well, so when I went to the emergency room, uh, they examined me and they were like, yeah, I mean, you're anemic now um, and <laughs> you, uh, but everything's fine. Everything looks fine. So I thought, all right, well, that was weird. Maybe, maybe it's like stress or maybe it's something else, but I didn't think much about it and continued on working and going about my life. So uh, a little while later, I moved across the country, and at this point, I was recognizing that my symptoms uh, were getting worse and more and more clear. So the symptoms that I had, uh, it started with irregular periods. Um, I started losing my hair. I was covered in cystic acne. I had high levels of inflammation, so my entire body was just like red and on fire. Mm -hmm. um, I had mood swings that were horrendous with, P with uh, PMS, and I was really self-conscious about it because obviously, you know, it's, women get a lot of flack when it comes to mood swings and their periods. So totally. I really, really tried to hide it. Um, I had extremely painful periods with a lot of clots and anxiety, depression, insomnia like really having a hard time falling asleep and staying asleep and mm -hmm. and even you know waking up in the middle of the night with adrenaline rushes um i had night sweats at 22 i had weight gain and and obesity at this point um unwanted hair growth on my on my body that was a great surprise <laughs> right uh, yeah <laughs> nothing like having you know, hair on your knuckles <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily for me, it wasn't on the knuckles, but I definitely had some on my neck. And it wasn't until like the apartment we were living in didn't have very good lighting. So it wouldn't be until we went outside and and Dom would be like, hey, what's on your neck? I was like, I don't know. What is it? And it'd be this long, dark hair. And I was like, oh, my God, pull it off. Get it off of me. I can't have this. <laughs> So, you know, thankfully, I had a partner who, and I still have a partner, who's very, very cool about this whole 
situation and, and very helpful and very patient. So, um, you know, I also had zero libido. And that, again, is really hard when you're 22 and it dries up. So uh, uh, totally. Yeah. Especially in a new marriage. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or relationship. New marriage, yeah. new relationship. <laughs> Um, I had IBS, uh, and then I also had dark patches of skin around my ankles and the back of my neck. So mm -hmm. that, those are pretty classic symptoms of PCOS. And at this point, I just felt, and it, it, this was about 2010, so right before we got married. And at this point, I just, I was like, I'm, I'm done. I have no idea what's causing my body to fail, and I need help. So the first thing is, is I thought, you know, I have um, horrible skin and, and if I can fix my skin, I can help anybody. And so I decided to go to aesthetic school. And, and while I was studying aesthetics, one of my teachers was a naturopathic doctor. And she said to me, you know, you've got a huge problem with inflammation and you can tell because your skin is just red. Mm -hmm. So she told me to, uh, at first I had gone to the dermatologist in the meantime, and the dermatologist said, uh, you know, take, take these antibiotics and some steroid cream and uh, come back in six months and we'll yeah, see how you Yeah, and good doing. luck. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Then she, she also did recommend that I see a gynecologist. So I went into a gynecologist. She immediately diagnosed me with PCOS, which I'd never heard of. She recommended that I try the Mediterranean diet, mm -hmm. lose some weight, and uh, take birth control pills. And that was about it. So she did recommend birth control. She did. And which, also spironolactone. Okay. Which is, uh, which is helpful for uh, cystic acne. Right. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because that is kind of the conventional treatment is birth control, typically, with PCOS. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which, <laughs> you know, if you ever want to get pregnant or if you want regular hormones good luck right yeah well uh, not to mention that that birth control you know creates a slew of other problems as well like hypertension and and um depression anxiety mm -hmm. gut dysbiosis yep yeah you kind of are uh running the gamut of endocrine just endocrine disruption really mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. you're on birth control were you, mm -hmm. And you were on birth control as a teenager. I started birth control when I was about 16 or 17. Okay. Yeah. So and that's, a, I, I mean, that's a bit of a, a, I guess, long jaunt of taking birth control. Oh, yeah. And of course, you know, I was getting mine from Planned Parenthood. So I didn't have right. even really a doctor to discuss this with. It was, I don't want to get pregnant, help me. Okay, here you go. And it worked. However, you know, also to note, there are lots of different kinds of birth control and, mm -hmm. and one is not good for all women. So each woman needs to be, if you're going to be on birth control, uh, which thankfully I'm not anymore, but, um, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be considered and it's not just one size fits all. Right. I mean, and yeah, and again, no matter the, the birth control you're on, it's going to affect the endocrine system. It's going to affect hormones, exactly. mm -hmm. which, I mean, you could do that, I guess, if you really want. But I think what people need to realize is you're going to have some ramifications of that. There's going to be consequences. Absolutely. 
And it's and a lot of times just... takes years to clear up once you're off of it. Exactly. I mean, two I years the is the average. Mm-hmm. That's the average um, balancing of hormones that it takes. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's something to definitely keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I was on my birth control. I was on spironolactone for acne, and I was going to school. I finished my aesthetics degree. Um, you know, but all through the time I was just miserable because the, the birth control was causing me to be depressed and very emotional. Uh, the spironolactone gave me horrible heart palpitations and, uh, tingly on my hands and feet. Um, and then I had a weak gut from all the antibiotics as well. So really creating a, a condition for disease. And, and opening myself up to everything at this point. And so um, I, we ended up moving to California. And at this point, I decided to start working at a medical spa. And uh, the medical spa had some nurse practitioners who also uh, had heard about PCOS and decided to give me a new form of antibiotics. So at this point, I was going on antibiotics for the second year. It was a boutique antibiotic, supposed to be better than the regular kind, but didn't really do much. It helped my acne, of course, but didn't really treat the underlying issues. Um, I then, you know, one of the major things they tell you if you have PCOS is lose weight and your symptoms will decrease. Well, right. yeah. good luck losing weight when you have PCOS and your body's so inflamed. It's, right. it's nearly impossible. Yeah, it's you're really not going to really scrub that off very easily. No. So for what they gave me was some kind of medication to curb my appetite. So I was able to to lose weight, but again... Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, again, super healthy. Nothing about nutrition, nothing about exercise. Just take more pills, more medications. So at this point, I'm 20... 24, about 24, heavily medicated and just still completely miserable, not even sure what's happening with my body. So in 2012, uh, I moved back, we moved back to Seattle and, and this is where I just, I was at my wits end, like, I don't know what's going on, but nothing is working still. I've done everything I know how to. So I contacted the naturopathic doctor that I had seen when I was 13 she still had a practice. She still was in Washington. And so I went and saw her and it was the first time that I received actual help. So the, when I walked in her office, the first thing she said is, you're severely allergic to dairy. And I thought, what? And she said, <laughs> I can see it. I can see it all over your tongue. I can see it on your skin. You've got major problems. How much do you eat? And I was like, I eat it all day. All day, every day, yeah. <laughs> every day. Breakfast, lunch, snack, dinner, whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm constantly eating it and drinking milk and like I'm getting it in every way possible. So she was like, as soon as you cut that out, you'll notice a huge difference with your inflammation and the problems with your skin and weight loss as well. Mm-hmm. And and so we really focused first on healing the gut and many of the symptoms over time disappeared. I was no longer on any of those medications. I had switched to some supplements that she was giving me. And, and then she also really coached me 
it was the beginning of nutrition. So I started eating more kind of paleo style and focusing more on, on clean foods and, and not processed foods. Um, but then it continued because as soon as I felt good, I was like, great, I can go back to eating all the stuff that I used to eat and <laughs> drinking all the stuff I used to drink. So I started going back and eating pizza and drinking beer and eating ice cream. Mm -hmm. But this, of course, was the vegan ice cream. So oh, much better. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't so bad. <laughs> you know, still high levels of sugar, but I didn't understand that. Right. So. So it's uh, I just continued ignoring it. And, and eventually my PCOS was like, hey, cool, you're having a party. I want to come join. So up my, my symptoms came back and, and then it just came back, I think even worse this last time because the really around the same time as I was just kind of ignoring everything, I also moved a third time. Uh, and that this was a very big move and I moved abroad to Poland. So here I was in a new country wanting to try and everything. I mean, the food, the drinks, um, all of the delicious uh, donuts and and snacks and sweets. Um, so I really wasn't listening to anything nutrition based, and I wasn't listening to my body because I was so stressed out and kind of in this survival mode of how do I start my new life? How do I start over essentially? Because it's a big move. Yeah, and in, and a brand new culture, right? Brand new culture and new language. I was completely isolated. I didn't know anybody when we moved here. So I really had nothing. And, and it was really stressful. So, so as I noticed my symptoms increasing and increasing, I began also waking up with really painful joints in my hips and my knees. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, it must just be this bed, you know, let me. And then that night, the night before I drink a bunch of vodka because we went to a party. So <laughs> right. As you do in Poland. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hadn't put those two together. And so um, and at this point, I was very nervous because I had had resources in America and I had no idea where to look now when I got to Poland. Um, I wasn't sure. Could I find a doctor that spoke English? Uh, would I be able to find a functional medicine doctor or naturopath? Because, you know, that's pretty new kind of technology or, or medicine that not every culture participates in practice. Mm -hmm. So I was very nervous and I ignored it uh, and tried to kind of do some things with my diet again, tried to go back to paleo, but still nothing was really working. And then I met my acupuncturist. So, okay, so take us through that a little bit. So I, I kind of, I dove in and, and I started doing a lot more research about PCOS. And one of the, the things that I noticed was obviously, you know, I knew there was a lot more information this time than there was 10 years ago. The first thing was that nutrition has a huge effect on your body. And, and I started kind of getting into epigenetics. I started to learn that we have a lot of influence through food and lifestyle. Um, on our cellular health and and part of the on one of the books that I was reading um, they recommended acupuncture as part of uh, kind of like an in addition to so mm -hmm. I I contacted uh, I found a woman here locally who's fantastic and has a lot of experience with PCOS as well and 
so she and I met and just started going through kind of the whole changes of what I needed to do. And, and it was way more than I had even realized at the time and, and really happy that I, I listened to her advice. So when you went into your first acupuncture appointment, I guess take us through kind of what she did and what the, I guess, protocol she had was. So, so the first appointment was uh, kind of health history and then overall assessment. So I had had, I had seen some doctors in Poland so I'd had uh, blood tests done. Um, I, I used a book that I found. It was a book by um, Dr. Felice uh, Gersh. It was Dr. Felice Gersh, and it's called PCOS SOS. And in this, she kind of walks you through what kind of tests you should get, you should take if you suspect you have PCOS, some things to monitor. So I got a lot of those done, and then I took those to my acupuncturist as well. So she she had time to look through this. Mm -hmm. um, she also had time to kind of listen to this whole story that I gave her the the backstory of my diagnosis with PCOS. We talked about things, you know, everything relating from what I'm eating, what I'm how I'm exercising, and as well as what kind of emotions am I feeling. Mm -hmm. So so it was um, somebody who really she spent a lot of time with me just listening and and kind of creating a plan. So. The plan included a lot of different changes. The first would be diet, and and I can go into that in a little bit more detail. Um, exercise, sleep, creating you know a bedtime routine that will put your body in a state of relaxation. Mm -hmm. um, stress management, uh, supplementation, and and then overall, I think emotional health and and gratitude. So these were things that. I had not even thought about including as part of my protocol for treating my own and managing my own PCOS. Right. And I mean, that's just not a very Western approach, right? No. It's completely different. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But really, ultimately, being that there isn't a quote unquote cure for PCOS in a Western model, if you really want to take this in your own hands, you have to look elsewhere, mm -hmm, exactly. which you did. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, you know, I just I think that the main thing that made sense to me was when when I started going through this whole uh, educating myself was. When you go and see a Western doctor, they look at you piece by piece. I went and saw a gynecologist for one problem, an endocrinologist for another problem, a uh, heart doctor because of palpitations, mm -hmm. um, the dermatologist. I mean, you have then five different doctors that you're seeing. And none of them communicate with each other. No, of course <laughs> right? not. So you're left with a fragmented approach that... Exactly. It's really... And unless you have a medical degree or some type of very good understanding of what's going on physiologically, mm -hmm. you're probably not going to be able to piece all those things together in a clear, coherent picture. Of course not. No. So it really does take somebody who's talented. And, and the thing that drew me to Eastern medicine was that they look at your body as a whole. Mm -hmm. And it makes perfect sense because your body 
you know, each organ you have relies heavily on the ability and the function of the other organ that it's attached to. These aren't Correct. just separate compartments. They're all mixed together and they all, they all have jobs that support each other in, in health and in process of elimination and everything, you know, sleep. It's all connected. Right. Actually, I want to jump in there. So, yeah, on that vein, we mentioned kind of the organ involvement in PCOS. And it's important to note the anatomy of that organ involvement. So you're dealing with the liver, which is like the storage tank for your blood. Mm -hmm. The liver is attached to the gallbladder through bile ducts. The liver produces bile. It creates bile, and then it stores that bile in the gallbladder, and it runs through the bile ducts, which ultimately are kind of gastric juices that start to break down food. But the pancreas is also attached to the gallbladder and the liver through bile ducts. And then that bile, so when it gets produced in the liver, it gets stored in the gallbladder, and then that gets moved to the pancreas. And then you have a channel kind of regulated gate at the duodenum, which is the start of the small intestine. And that's where all those things kind of dump into the small intestine so you can start fermenting and breaking down food. Mm -hmm. And if those, if any of those are not regulated and not in balance, then you're going to have that whole cascade is going to be thrown off. Which is why a lot of the times with something like PCOS, you're dealing with small intestine issues mm -hmm. because that channel is basically plugged up. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so in traditional Chinese medicine, they don't deal with the pancreas. There's no acupuncture points for the pancreas. They control the pancreas through the liver and the gallbladder, mm -hmm. which is a very different approach than Western medicine. Mm -hmm. Right. Western medicine mm -hmm. focuses almost exclusively on the pancreas for insulin production. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But in traditional Chinese medicine, in an Eastern model, you don't see that. You see regulation through the liver and the gallbladder, which really mm -hmm. is kind of where most of that starts. Exactly. It's really, it's really important to have somebody who understands that and who can, especially with PCOS, because you need somebody who can take that into consideration because most women who have PCOS also have insulin resistance to some degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, yeah, I would say it's pretty much across the board. Yeah. Um, unless it's maybe a very, very mild case of PCOS. Yeah. And again, you typically see that insulin resistance in the adipose tissue and the musculature, which is why exercise is a very important piece. Mm -hmm. um, so you can kind of uptake some of that. It's not, And mm -hmm. it's not like things completely, it's not like you can't deal with insulin at all. It's just mm -hmm. very, very imbalanced and very uncontrolled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with, with exercise, it's tricky with PCOS because you, a lot of women who have PCOS also are uh, at some level adrenal fatigued. So mm -hmm. when you're exercising, you know, what I used to do was I thought more is better. So I got into CrossFit and then I was like, I'm not losing any weight and I'm so exhausted all the time. Right. What's going on? <laughs> CrossFit's not for people with PCOS. It's way too hard. It has way too much cortisol production at the end of a, an hour and a half workout. 
And, you know, I have learned to take it slowly and simply. So about 30 minutes per day. And this ranges, I've also been reading recently about pairing it with where you're at in your cycle, because when you're at the beginning uh, and like ovulatory phase, you have a lot more energy than when you are mm -hmm. right before your period and then on your menstruation. So right. it's good to listen to your body and to, you know, if you want to do weights one day, uh, make sure that it's in a, in a day where you've got uh, um, some good energy and that you're not going to push yourself too hard. Be, but, you know, know that weights are very important to incorporate because especially for women with PCOS, it's great for to work towards fat loss. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, to swing back around to kind of the cyclical nature of periods and ovulation, I mean, it very much is, right? Like mm -hmm. Marie and I talk about all the time, We she talks about it in kind of in seasons. So like a spring mm -hmm. season, you're going to have a lot of energy, right? Things are kind of mm -hmm. coming out of winter, right? Yeah. And then mm -hmm. you move into summer and then you move into fall, and then mm -hmm. you're back around into kind of winter, right? So exactly. there's, and if you pay attention to that, which I don't know if most women do. I mean, I don't have periods, so. No, honestly, like when I, I uh, this is all new to me as well. Within like probably the last year, I learned this. Um, I mean, I knew that you ovulate or you don't, and then you have your period. No mm -hmm. one educates you in, in sex education. Nobody tells you the cycles and that you're actually, you have four, that's why it's 28 days. You have, uh, four different cycles in one cycle. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you have, and, and within that each cycle, you are producing different hormones. You are, your body is dealing with cortisol in a different way. Uh, your adrenal glands are working and functioning in a different way. I mean, everything is affected and everything changes because, again, the primary function is to create a great location for a baby to be able to survive. Correct. And so, you need a proper environment to do that. Exactly. Exactly. I guess what was, how long did it take before you got some relief or felt that acupuncture was affecting the body? It was instantaneous, honestly. Um, I had, I just remember the first time that I went, it was all sorts of feelings after my very first visit. And um, I actually, uh, I just, I felt like going into it, I, I guess the best way to describe it was at the point that I was at, it was like a water hose that had been turned on blast, but no one was holding it. So <laughs> inside... <laughs> Inside, my body just felt like it was out of control. And the very first visit, it kind of like slapped it across the face. And then really kind of I could feel it starting to gain some kind of balance and, and regrounding. So um, it for me, it was pretty, pretty instantaneous. But I will say that uh, it was a long process because it, it everything happened at once. I really focused on diet change, which which is also I think a big factor in this, and and works very well simultaneously with acupuncture and any other kind of supplementation and exercise. So so yeah, actually, let's hang on to that thread about acupuncture. But let's yeah, let's move into diet a little bit, and will you kind of sure. take us through your first steps in addressing that? Sure. So, so I would say, um, obviously, like back the first time that I was 
diagnosed with PCOS, it was a lot more of, you know, the Mediterranean diet or paleo diet. These were the mm-hmm. first recommendations. Um, then I kind of got into like an anti candida diet. Okay. Uh, so very again, limited sugar intake. Limited sugar, low yep. GI. I mean, it's all essentially the same. You're looking right. for low inf- uh, anti-inflammatory, low GI. Yep. So, so I started off with that, um, but I wasn't still seeing the, the effects that I needed. So when I met with my acupuncturist, she also put together a plan. And then you and I also talked a lot about nutrition. Um, so the things that I personally have changed was I cut out all forms of refined sugar. Uh, I cut out all forms of car- refined carbohydrates mm-hmm. um, because not only do I have a gluten sensitivity, but the body turns all of these into sugar anyway. So, right. you know, like white bread, pasta, pizza, white rice. I was living off of rice crackers, actually, and had no idea that it was causing so much damage. I see. Yeah, that'll uh, yeah. that'll spike the uh, insulin a bit. Yeah. You know, I have the 90s <clears throat> to thank for that because I remember that being a huge trend of like, here, get skinny and lose weight, eat rice cra- rice crackers and <laughs> rice cakes. So I was like, well, I'm doing the right thing, but why do I feel so horrible? Right. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I also, I don't drink any soda or fruit, dru- or fruit juice or anything that will raise my blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, I eat a lot of protein in both vegetarian and animal form. And, and if I'm doing animal form, obviously making sure that it's, you know, locally sourced or organic and, uh, grass fed and wild too. I've, you, you recommended me to try some, uh, deer meat and mm-hmm. fantastic idea. Really good in a goulash recipe that I have. Oh, totally. Right. It's some of my favorite. We did that a few weeks ago, actually. Great. With the deer that I harvested this year. Yeah. And being that you're in Poland, you have access to wild game, which we don't have in the North American model of fish and game management. But being in Europe, you do. It's a little bit difficult, surprisingly, to find, but there are ways, the, there are places you can find it. It is really expensive. Though, I will yeah, say I'm, that. So I'm sure. It's yeah. a nice, it's a nice treat. Um, but, you know, again, mixing it with a bunch of vegetables makes it last longer. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I also, I avoid all dairy products, obviously. Um, I have eliminated alcohol and caffeine. This is a really tough one because, of course, our cultures are not so accepting of that. And Definitely not. It's a tough one. So um, I would say, you know, when you go on vacation, what do you do? Because you usually start off with coffee and you end with alcohol. So, uh, but for me, I, I have a lot of poor reactions to both alcohol and caffeine. Uh, so... So especially with my um, cortisol production. So I, I skip that. And, you know, also the other thing is that women with PCOS are at higher risk for fatty liver disease. So mm-hmm. good to, to skip the alcohol. Yeah, it's um, not going to really help yeah. the situation. <laughs> no, it just adds fuel to the fire. So the other thing that I uh, changed was I don't eat any processed foods or I try not to. If I do, it's rare um, and, I'm, and I literally can't find anything else. Um, mm-hmm. I focus on fiber intake. So I've learned about fiber and its, and its relationship with excess estrogen and uh, obviously toxins in the liver. So I personally, I drink a, a smoothie every day to try to get a lot of fiber. 
Um, I drink my smoothie at room temperature, uh, which is really gross, but I've gotten used to it. And that's just so that my, my digestion doesn't have to work as hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, my smoothie that I make, it includes, I usually use like a cup of raspberries, one or two beets, uh, a chunk of lemon with the peel, uh, lots of leafy greens, like spinach is my favorite because it doesn't have any flavor. Um, half of an avocado or coconut oil if you're allergic, and then chia seeds and psyllium seeds. Nice. So, yeah. It's a nice blend. Yeah, totally. And I mean, with that, you're getting really good high omegas, omega-3 right. in particular, which mm-hmm. is different than omega-6. Omega-3 is your anti-inflammatory fatty acid, whereas omega-6 is a pro-inflammatory meaning it causes inflammation, which you want some inflammation in the body, but you don't want that cascade to be out of control. Exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and that's a lot of times why that Mediterranean diet gets prescribed for PCOS is because it's higher in omega-3. And Mm -hmm. generally, when you're looking at processed foods, all that is really high omega-6 fatty acid because it's dealing with usually vegetable oil, safflower oil, sunflower Mm -hmm. oil. Mm -hmm. Those are pure Mm omega-6. And so if you can negate some of that stuff out of your diet, then you that one-to-one ratio that biologically humans should be getting of omega-3 to omega-6 starts to come into better balance. Mm -hmm. Because typically in Western cultures, we're doing about a 15 to 1 or 20 to 1 ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. Horrible. You know, I mean, and that's going to cause all sorts of inflammation, chronic widespread inflammation and result in hormonal issues. Right, right. Right. And and that's why I think Americans have a lot of problems. Well, Western cultures have a lot of problems with cancer rates and autoimmune disease and diabetes so yeah i mean your top your top three you know western diseases are lifestyle you know right it's cardiovascular diabetes cancer yep you know um and all those are dramatically affected by lifestyle and in type 2 diabetes you can reverse it through diet and exercise Right, exactly, which I think is the most empowering thing that I learned as well is even with insulin resistance, obviously for me, it was never communicated in any doctor's, any doctor's office that I had been in um, that if I don't manage insulin resistance, then I could end up diabetic. This was never communicated. Really? And okay. Never. And, and, you know, the scary fact when I was reading that, that most women, the 50% of women who have PCOS have some either pre-diabetes or diabetes by mm-hmm. the time they're 40, I thought, holy shit, this is some serious stuff. I had no idea. No one told me. It wasn't until I actually learned this, like I said, a year ago. Wow. Okay. So you spent basically a decade not knowing that you could potentially get type 2 diabetes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Eating. Uh, I, had, I was also addicted to sugar at points in that 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, nobody communicated any of that to me. I didn't also know to look, and I should have looked for more information, but there really wasn't a lot of information about PCOS 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And even 
I mean, even now, unless you're going to spend weeks and months or years researching, you know, good luck parsing through all that medical mm -hmm. literature when, you know, you don't have some type of major medical background. Um, right. It's hard for people, you know. I mean, luckily you knew about the skin and about symptomology kind of of what's going on internally gets reflected in the skin, which yeah. I do want to, let's kind of swing back around to that because mm -hmm. can you kind of break down cystic acne and what all that's about? Yeah. So one of the things that it was my very first class in, in aesthetic school was, I remember we talked about uh, facial mapping and it was fascinating to me because it was the first time and it's such a cool concept that your face depending on where the uh the either inflammation or the breakouts are this is what it's like a direct mirror to what's going on internally with a specific organ so in chinese medicine again we have specific organs and specific uh situations that are happening on your skin and you can see so if you for example are breaking out a lot on your jawline which I was, it's hormones, and it's related to hormones and hormonal production. So uh, each, each area has a, a partner, and it's great to be able to look into that and to kind of do some self-awareness, self-diagnosis in this case, kind of doing a check-in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the other, I guess, important thing to note is your skin is going to directly affect what's going on intestinally as well so right. i mean it's the last place to get nutrients right right from and, from digestion that is right well and a lot of things a lot of people forget as well that the skin is also an organ it's yeah the and the largest organ, organ. right yeah yes, yeah exactly. it's uh so, yeah pretty important <laughs> it's very important and it tells you a lot about what's going on and so for me it really was where i've it was the first step that I kind of took towards understanding it from a different perspective. I mean, it, thankfully, I had had knowledge of, of natural um, therapies as well. But uh, I think that this is what became most interesting to me was this connection between the surface and internal. Mm -hmm. and well, the and type it... of sorry, go acne, ahead. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. The, the type of acne that you have is important to know as well, because, you know, if you have something that's more pustule, uh, it's going to be a different type of inflammation versus some more cystic acne. That's where the really deep inflammation is coming up. You know, mm -hmm. the, these kinds of, of pustule or the, the kind of um, cystic acne that doesn't come to a head, that just sits underneath your skin and is so hot to the touch. And this is what my body was covered in. And so it was incredibly uncomfortable. And, and I had no idea how to even go about fixing something like that. Right. Almost like it embeds itself in the dermal layer. It does. And, you know, then, of course, that also causes a lot of problems because you want to pick at it and you want to get it out and you want it to leave. And usually we're used to this more superficial um, pustules that you right. can pop and, right. and you shouldn't. You should go see your, your esthetician to take care of that. Uh, but it really, uh, I think that it causes a lot of damage because when you have these deep, deep 
levels and pockets of inflammation, it will leave scarring. And mm -hmm. then you have a lot of other issues that you carry around permanently. And I do as well. So right. luckily for me, um, because I had gone to school and also because I w went to work in a medical spa, I was exposed to lasers and chemical peels, which also saved my surface layers. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely, yeah, it, you got some relief anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's, I mean, that's an important thing to note is the fact that you can literally see it pop up in the skin. I mean, mm -hmm. you can see indications of unhealth mm -hmm. through your skin. Well, and the thing with PCOS is obviously every woman's different, and there are women who don't have this, and that's the, that's the, the part you really have to get to know your body and the signals that it's sending you because sometimes they're not so obvious. Again, I was lucky because my body is very sensitive. And so it's very, uh, it acts quickly. And even, you know, uh, nowadays, because I don't eat dairy and I don't eat gluten, um, if I have a product that has dairy and gluten, a couple hours later, I will see it on my skin. Mm -hmm. So how does, how does that pop that up for you? Oh, I get I get really bad cystic acne still. If okay. I had like the other day, I ate something that I knew had some gluten in it, and I had got covered on my back. Mm. So, okay, it's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But again, it keeps me in check because I don't want to be walking around with a bunch of cystic acne. I I'm 33 years old, <laughs> and this is stuff that I should have left behind in my teenage years. So. Not something I want to continue. So I'm very cautious about what I put in my body now. Mm -hmm. And yeah. on the skin as well, because as we know, the, the skin is your largest organ. So you need to be cautious about the products you're putting on it. Right. As well. You don't have just an exit. It's an entrance as well. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. And it all will get into the tissue at some point. Exactly. Or out of the tissue at some point. Or out. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, so... Let's swing back around to acupuncture and kind of supplementation. Did your acupuncturist work with you and formulate personalized supplementation? Yes, she did. She's fantastic. A huge shout out and thank you to Pani Carolina um, from Meditichne Energichne. And I totally butchered that, but it's a hard thing to say. <laughs> well, that's okay. Much. No one will know. <laughs> Except for her, she wanted well, to do yeah. it. Well, yeah, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yes, she uh, she helped me a lot with supplements. So the first thing was um, one of the doctors I saw here wanted me to be on uh, progesterone, but it, mm -hmm. I asked him if it was bioidentical, and he said no, and I said no, thank you. So she recommended some wild yam, which is a natural progesterone cream, um, yep. which I use twice per day. Um, Myovelia, which is a, it's a brand of, uh, it's a mix of myo-inacetyl and d-chiro-inacetyl, which helps a lot with insulin resistance and also reduces the risk of diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's basically what would be classified as an acetyl donor. Mm -hmm. So you're basically, you're getting acetyl groups and that plays on your epigenetics a bit, um, mm -hmm. which will hang on to that thread and get into mm -hmm, that in a mm -hmm. bit but uh yeah so really good anything else 
Yeah, so so she also recommended uh, vitamin D, uh, especially because about 85% of women with PCOS are vitamin D deficient. Mm-hmm. I was vitamin D deficient, so I take uh, quite a lot. Um, omega-3, uh, which obviously we know reduces inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, berberine, which improves ovulation and insulin resistance. Yep. And then there was a couple things that I also... Were, I was taking on top of this already, so I've just kind of incorporated into everything, which uh, the first is zinc. So I take uh, about 15 milligrams twice per day, and zinc's helpful with blood sugar balance, uh, optimizing hormone production, and just decreasing symptoms like unwanted hair growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so thankfully, my neck hair has stopped producing. <laughs> oh, good. Um, <laughs> yes, in case you're wondering. Um, but the one thing to know about zinc, which I, I also learned recently was that it's, it needs to be taken with an ionophore, which is like a transporter. So something Mm -hmm. like uh, quercetin or curcumin, because by itself, the zinc won't be able to like fully penetrate into the cell wall. Yeah. It makes it pretty hard. I mean, it's not as absorbable. Right. So, so in addition, I also take quercetin, which... Um, not only does it help with this kind of transmission, but it helps also with um, inflammatory cytokines. Mm-hmm. And and so I take it for mostly inflammation and and also curcumin. Um, I don't know if I need to take both, but I do. So yeah, it's, um, it's a good it's a good idea. I mean, I mean if you were yeah, you could load up. I mean, you need usually about a gram and a half or so. Mm-hmm. per day of of turmeric powder or curcumin powder mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um if you're taking zinc well i mean curcumin on its own is going to be an anti-inflammatory because it mm-hmm. it that ionophore has some anti-inflammatory properties um but it does help drive the zinc in mm-hmm. um right. yeah which is great and that's going to play not only on inflammation but just overall immune health too exactly and especially living in a time of covid it's better to protect yourself protect Mm -hmm. your body and i don't want to get any kind of illness so i would rather boost my immune system to its max capacity and and you know better myself so um i also take vitamin b complex because i don't eat a lot of whole grains like cereals or yeast Mm -hmm. products Mm-hmm. And I also don't eat dairy. I supplement with my uh, vitamin B. I do a vitamin B complex. And then the last thing I do is selenium. So good mm-hmm. for reproduction and thyroid health. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and that thyroid piece is another very important aspect of this as well because, again, you're dealing with a pituitary mm-hmm. cascade of hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thyroid is directly linked with that. And in traditional Chinese medicine, you're looking at it's what would be classified as fire rising or a, in Western medicine, it would be classified as an adrenal corticoid response or mm-hmm. ACTH response where you get an adrenal response and all of that chi or all of that energy moves from the adrenals up into the shoulders mm-hmm. and up into the pituitary and brain so you can fight or flight 
so it it also runs into the legs um and in tcm it's called fire rising where you basically get a cortisol dump and that hits the thyroid um so this adrenal response goes hand in hand with cortisol and your thyroid so it's, and that's another good reason to work with an acupuncturist who can really kind of help and focus on that. Mm-hmm. And so I want to swing into epigenetics for a moment, and then we'll kind of mm-hmm. get back into acupuncture. Um, and really, I guess I'll start us off by kind of describing the mitochondrial function and mm-hmm. the kind of key role it plays in PCOS. So really when you're looking at it, it's been shown that through fetal tissues and through um, in utero imbalances of androgenic hormones, so mainly testosterone. Mm-hmm. Androgenic hormones are basically male kind of driven testosterone, which every female has. What they found is that there's actual DNA mutations in the mitochondria if the pregnant woman has high androgen compounds in the blood and it plays on oxygenation um, pathways in the blood and it actually gets passed down in utero. So there can be some predisposition to PCOS and hormonal imbalances. Yes, exactly. And the thing that I learned as well was this is something that's been going on for generations and generations. Um, I actually recently learned that um, that PCOS, the the very first, I think, written description of it was in 400 BC, and uh, and so you know it's just passed down generation to generation. And previously, uh, the ancestors, our ancestors who had it, it actually did some good for them because it did. Um, the the first thing was that because they had higher than normal levels of testosterone, the females had more muscle mass and denser bones, which made them stronger than the average woman. Mm-hmm. Um, they also had a greater ability to store fat, so they were able to survive famines, unlike other women. Um, the PCOS gave them mild inflammation, which uh, kind of helped them combat diseases. Mm-hmm. And then also by creating a mild infertility, this kind of helped save them to uh, basically their pregnancies would be further spaced. And so the likelihood of them surviving pregnancy and being able to care for their child was much higher than women who were having babies more frequently. So absolutely, it used to be something that actually wasn't so bad. But over time, our, the modern PCOS that we have, that we do, um, you know, they, they said that they don't know the, the studies. They've done a lot of research to see where it comes from and how you get it. And a lot of the time, there's not one specific. It's kind of unknown still. But they assume that it's genetic, like you said. Um, in most cases, there's a family member who has it and they might not just recognize it. You know, even I think 50 years ago, it really wasn't something that people were talking about. So, yeah, I mean, they didn't even really look at it. I mean, typically no. it resulted in a hysterectomy. 
50 years exactly. ago or even even now, honestly. I was going to say even, you know, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because that, I mean, yeah, it's, I guess it's an important thing to point out that a lot of times that's what ends up happening is they yank the uterus out or right. the ovaries. Right, right. It just becomes so toxic in there, especially if you have uterine fibroids. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this, all of this ends up being to a point where, you know, especially um, women who have endometriosis, there's, there's a lot of damage that goes on if it's left uh, untreated. And, and if, you know, if you don't know what you're looking for, you don't know what you should be treating. Absolutely. I mean, and yeah, and that just basically is down to the chronic inflammation that occurs in the reproductive organs, which I mean, ancestrally, if you're talking about that, you've got to also remember that they were probably dealing with very, very mild cases of PCOS. Exactly. Right. They didn't have the really even ability to have all the processed foods and deal with all the chronic inflammation that our modern lifestyle gives us. Mm-hmm. And so I guess when, yeah, when you read accounts of historic kind of PCOS, that would be a very uh, moderate or very controlled PCOS rather than this mm-hmm. very extreme version that we're seeing in so many women. Well, and you think about it, and it, it's pretty understandable because our modern society, we have so much processed food and no movement. Mm-hmm. And they did not have, our ancestors didn't have that. They were moving constantly, so they were they were able to um, reduce inflammation through exercise. And it was functional exercise, not that they were going to completely exhaust their systems. So they really had a benefit. It was used as a benefit, I would say. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and there's, I would be hard pressed to believe that they were having a huge physiological response, meaning they probably weren't getting a ton of cysts on the ovaries and things weren't kind Mm -hmm. of becoming lesions and calcifying Mm -hmm. in that process. Uh, I would imagine that it was much more of a fluid um, kind of symptomology rather than such a concrete kind of laid-in genetic issue. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah, the fact that it can get passed in utero is, it's an important piece because for women that are listening that are dealing with this it might be important to see if any of your past family members have dealt with any hormonal imbalances Mm -hmm. and especially if you want to start having kids too uh i think i heard today actually they're starting to classify trimester zero which is you know the the building up healing of your own body before (laughs) you can host another yep absolutely and yeah i don't think women think about that very often you know it's not something you learn right and i think i think there's more education now than there was 30 years ago for example um now we know and a lot of people are becoming more familiarized with the need of of doing this and understanding a little bit like 
that, you know, you are a host and you need to make sure your house is clean before you host someone. So I think that there's a lot more information that we have now in today's modern world than we had 30 years ago, 50 years ago. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and yeah, it's very important. It's also important to note that, and this is a bit of a off topic, but it's important to note that it's the baby that triggers labor. So it, the baby actually interprets its environment. And if that environment isn't conducive for survivability, then it'll trigger labor at any point in really that whole process. If that environment isn't uh, set up to kind of support life, then mm -hmm. it usually doesn't. Or if it does, there can be some consequences of that. I didn't know that. That's a yeah. fun fact for me. Yeah. Fun fact of the day. That seems to be where the research is headed at this point. I mean, it's great. It, again, we have so much more access to knowledge than we have ever had before. And that's, I think, the most exciting thing about PCOS is it's not a death sentence. It's <laughs> now we have, even from when I was it, was diagnosed, it was, you know, this is going to be your life. Good luck. Get used to it. Now uh -huh. it's it's... You can reverse it completely and put it into remission. You don't even have to have any of these symptoms. And that's pretty empowering. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I want to swing again kind of back into acupuncture and mm -hmm. just kind of the, I want to talk about just kind of the physiological effects of acupuncture and specifically relating to kind of stimulating reproductive response mm -hmm. in the organs. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times when you're dealing with some type of, especially in reproductive organs, because they're so sensitive to hormonal changes, it would be classified in traditional Chinese medicine as a basically bad chi flow or mm -hmm. some type of, sometimes even jing imbalance. Um, and so by supporting and specifically working through pathways that are going to stimulate the reproductive organs and clearing that stuck chi, you're also encouraging, you're essentially encouraging blood flow and nutrient exactly. flow mm -hmm. to that issue. And that's really what's getting addressed if you're going to mm -hmm. put it in kind of a Western paradigm. Um, mm -hmm. You're really, you're stimulating nutrient flow and oxygen flow. And the fact mm -hmm. that your mitochondria have oxygen uptake issues epigenetically, and mm -hmm. you're supplying more blood flow, which is going to carry more oxygen. Um, and so I guess, will you, can you talk to us about just kind of the physical feelings that eventually kind of corresponded with acupuncture? Sure. I mean... My acupuncture journey, I would say, has been uh, across the board. And I think I went in there with one idea and I got help for a lot more than I had any idea that it was connected. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think that was the first part was I was like, great, she's going to help me with PCOS. And I'm thinking only hormones. I was not thinking at all about even the emotional aspect and where we hide emotions and what organs do we hide emotions. Mm -hmm. And um where that blockages happen and so it was a very big wake-up call and and honestly it's been incredibly interesting to me i've done 
as much reading as I can um, in the little time that I've been going and seeing my acupuncturist. But um, from the physical standpoint, uh, we started off, I think, bringing, it would be like, for example, if uh, I went in and she would ask me what, um, what day in my cycle, and I would say, you know, this is day 30, let's say. And so it's, it's a couple days late. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then she would ask if I feel any cramping. Does it feel like I'm going to have a period soon? And I would say, no, it feels normal like like every other day. Mm -hmm. um, and so we would focus on bringing blood down to the uterus, for example. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. doing some points um, on those meridians, which I'm not exactly sure which ones they were. So I can't speak to that. But uh, but it would. It, and then, you know, the next couple of days, my period would start. And so. It really, I, I began to see that um, through acupuncture, you really do open up these channels and your body is able to communicate with each other and the organs inside much, much easier when you're able to kind of clean up the mess that, that you've left behind. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And mm -hmm. typically you're dealing with what would be classified as the contraceptive um, or the governing channel. Uh, mm-hmm when you're dealing with those points but also i imagine she was probably hitting a lot of adrenal and liver points as well a lot of liver points yeah i think that was the main thing and yep. and as well you know as part of all of this another aspect kind of a side note is um another part that's really important for women with pcos is to find a good therapist as well because you go through a lot of ups and downs uh, already in life, and when you also have this this system that's breaking down and you can't figure out what's going on, it's very frustrating. So you keep um, putting a lot of these emotions and tucking them away and not dealing with them, not dealing with a lot of things that are going on in your life. So for me, it was helpful to have, again, this dual system of inward, outward, uh, somebody who I can connect with, someone who I can get professional advice from, someone who I can go through this this journey with, uh, and then also looking at it from the organ standpoint as well. Mm -hmm. Chinese medicine, you know, the liver uh, is connected with anger and irritability, and mm -hmm. that's something that I struggled with for a long time. And it really wasn't until through acupuncture, I remember specifically, there was a day that uh, we had worked on my liver meridian a lot. And it was the first time in a long time that out of the blue, I just felt an overwhelming sense of gratitude. And that was something that I didn't, I couldn't even like, I couldn't have told you that that's not a feeling that I had felt in forever. It's just something that I kind of forgot about. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that also is the power for me to understand that acupuncture is so much more than just, um, you know, this hormonal imbalance and hormonal regulation. So I, again, very grateful that I took this advice to go and see somebody. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, and again, hormones and a hormone imbalance typically are just symptoms of something larger going on. Right. I mean, exactly. If you only address the hormones, then you're going to get probably marginal improvements. If you don't address the underlying issues that are sitting in the organs, sitting in the other tissue, mm -hmm. then good luck. You're going to be a bit 
you're going to be a pretty far it's it's going to be hard it's going to be a hard road to try to walk down right and and there's such a big connection with pcos and your emotions mm -hmm. and you know it's not like a with what causes it it is it's really this kind of cyclical relationship that they're very highly reliant on each other mm -hmm. yeah i mean and same yeah same goes for men too i mean you essentially get the same hormonal cascade for mm -hmm. men as you do for women but i mean broadly speaking that luteinizing hormone that triggers ovulation in women does the same thing in the gonads for men it's the same general cascade uh and yeah i mean it's very very important and it definitely will affect emotions 100 percent if that's out of balance Mm-hmm. exactly so it's it's great to know i think for me, it was really great to see that there was so many benefits of seeing an acupuncturist and uh, and really diving into Chinese medicine and diving into different diet um, suggestions with Chinese medicine and mm -hmm. herbs as well. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that my acupuncturist uh, gives me is uh, every month I, I order some special herbs and I can't remember what's in them at this point. but. Um, it is a, a kind of like a tonic that I drink every day with some hot water and it's, it is the week before my period and the week while I'm on my period. Mm -hmm. So it really helps with especially like, uh, symptoms. So like PMS symptoms I haven't had for a couple of months now, which is great. And, uh, and then just overall quality of my menstruation. That's great. Yeah. And, and it's important thing to note that herbs can be a very 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 powerful ally in all of this mm -hmm. in just regulating kind of that overall response mm -hmm. exactly and again your body is nature right everything mm -hmm. inside of you is natural and so if you're feeding it with more nature it's only going to grow and instead of pharmaceuticals which really is chemical and that's not natural so for me, it's another reason why I, I gravitate towards holistic medicine versus mm -hmm. more westernized pharmaceutical medicine. Yep, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so, okay, you were going to acupuncture. You were getting herbs. When, I guess, when did you really feel things start to settle down? So... In June, I hit my rock bottom. June last year, actually. So this is all pretty new stuff. Uh, I I had done, in 2018, it was like the beginning of, okay, I, I see I've got a big problem. I need to fix it. I lost 50 pounds, uh, but I still didn't feel good. So then I it really wasn't until June of 2020, I hit my absolute rock bottom, and it was just because of the high levels of stress everybody was experiencing last year. Oh, what was so, going on? You know, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, okay. I think there was something about a demic, but I'm not sure what. Oh, huh. yeah, I missed all that. Yeah, I, I didn't see anything in the news, so no. it must have not been important. I don't think so. <laughs> so uh, it was in June that I started to see her. Um, I started feeling better, definitely really a lot better. I could see a noticeable change in October. 
And then uh, by December, I even started seeing some baby hairs growing up, growing back on my scalp, which was uh, really exciting because I think, you know, you can't have new baby hairs if you're not, if you're really inflamed. So if you have lower inflammation levels, means that something's working, your body's ready to start producing good things. Mm-hmm. Can Actually, let's unpack that a little bit. So sure. will you talk about hair loss and the amount of hair loss you were having? Yeah. So when I, I saw a picture actually a couple of months ago, my mom sent a picture to me from when I was 16 and I thought, oh my God, I totally forgot. I used to have long, thick hair and now I have probably a fourth of that. So I've lost a lot. Um, You know, it's uh, my family members. I know that it also runs in the family and um, this also makes me kind of um, a bit curious if, again, this is something that I inherited genetically. Uh, which I think it's pretty safe to say, probably so. Yeah, I would, I would lean yeah. that way too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I I lose my hair in male pattern baldness, so on the sides of my temples. Um, but I've got some, you know, it wasn't. I didn't realize how bad the problem was until I saw a picture of myself about two or three years ago. Uh, with my hair pulled up in a ponytail and there and you know you don't see the sides of your hair ever when it's pulled up in a ponytail you're only checking from the front right and uh, and I had massive bald spots Hmm. and I it's like oh that's embarrassing and also really sad I had no idea so I really tried to uh, and also just you know brittle hair hair that's breaking um, and and just very unhappy hair so as I've lowered my inflammation levels, I can start seeing, especially on the on the temples and the sides, that there's a lot of baby hair growth, which is great. And I'm That's very fantastic, grateful. right? I mean, yeah, how cool I'm, is that? It's really great, yes. And I'm very happy, and I hope that it stays, and I hope that it gets longer so that I can pull that back into my ponytail eventually <laughs> someday. Grow, uh, little babies, grow. Right? No kidding. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and side note, I guess, I, I mean, I can... Being that we lived together for years, I remember how much hair you would lose in the tub. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't. <laughs> I also didn't realize that at the time. I just thought, like, well, everyone loses hair, but I was losing clumps of hair. Yeah, yeah. It was basically like you were getting a haircut every time you took a shower. Oh, well, that must have been really fun for you and Tyler. Well, Sorry, you know, hey. It, I remember, I mean, I feel kind of bad now. We would tease you about it all the time, but... Well, I didn't like, even recognize it. I just was like, well, that must mean I've got a lot of hair. And, you know, there really, it really wasn't until, um, until Dom, my husband, when I pulled his hair back in a ponytail one time, I was like, holy shit. He had the sides of his hair shaved and still had three or four times more hair just on a third of his head than I had on my entire head. And I thought, well, someone's going to get a haircut tonight and I'm going to get a nice wig. Right? That's how I yes. feel. Yes. <laughs> well, he's got enough so we can we can split one. Perfect. We can split a wig. Yeah, I mean, and hair loss for women is, it's I mean, that's a lot different than hair loss for men. Like being it a bald is. man, like I really don't care that I'm bald. Yeah. You know? Uh yeah. but for women that I mean, 
culturally, yeah. that is something very, very different. Right. Again, it goes into emotions and it goes into denied emotions because it's embarrassing. You're shameful. You're ashamed of it. And these are not things that you're talking openly about. So mm -hmm. you tuck that away and you tuck it into your own body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you also start, you know, it's damaging for women who have PCOS because their own self-esteem and the way that they look at themselves and talk to themselves is so much more harsh. And there's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of, of shame. There's a lot of embarrassment. There's a lot of frustration. So, you know, finding somebody who can help you sort through these emotions is really important. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really important thing to bring up. It's that, yeah, there's a whole range of other potential issues that can come up just as a result yeah. of, you know, all of this. It's a big cycle, you know, if you feel like so insecure and horrible, horrible about your body because you're overweight, your hair is falling out, you've got acne, you feel uncomfortable, you go to what? Sugar and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what causes these problems? Sugar and alcohol. Right. So <laughs> yeah. again, yeah. to a large you're, extent, you're yeah. Using, yeah, you're using these issues um, and then you're masking them with things that are causing even more problems and it's just constant it's this constant cycle that eventually you do have to break free from mm -hmm. if you don't again you'll wind up with diabetes and a bald head but <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh more or it, less yeah it's a slippery slope you know yeah. and yeah and you could end up you know infertile which you know not to yeah. mention if you're trying to get pregnant and you don't have the ability to get pregnant imagine the emotional toll that that takes well and even also with that miscarriages absolutely I know a lot of people who have pcos who have miscarried and mm -hmm. and miscarried multiple times and again this is something that that hits you at a horm a hormonal a emotional level mm -hmm. that you really need to sort through because it's trauma oh 100 percent. you know and that's just going to build and build if it's exactly. not addressed. Exactly. Yeah. So when we say it's a complex issue, it's a complex issue. It's a very complex issue. You know, probably, a, you know, yeah, probably one of the most complex issues hormonally that you could address. Absolutely. And, you know, each woman is different. Each one has a totally different story. My mm -hmm. story is, is very complicated. And, and I don't know someone who's had the exact same experience as I have. Yeah. And you probably won't because, again, like you said, it's so individualized that mm -hmm. it really just depends what's going on in an internal environment and an mm -hmm. external environment. Right. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it and it does factor in on the epigenome and the DNA for that matter, to a degree. But it's, a, yeah, highly, highly variable. And it's not like this is one flat kind of symptomology. You're getting different symptoms at different times, depending on what's going on, too. So it's not like this thing's set in stone. It kind of moves and dances all over the place. And it changes. Honestly, I don't remember having any kind of problems with with insulin uh, or sugar 
10 years ago. I mean, I'm sure I did to some degree, but they're so different than what I have now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I feel a huge difference now. And, um, you know, it morphs and it, it changes throughout your course of having it and being diagnosed with it. And if you're not careful, you know, it, it changes pretty quickly as well. Right. And I guess that's a really important thing to think about is this becomes a lifestyle right. issue just as lifestyle. much as, yeah, as it is a hormonal issue, right? Because yeah. you can get it under control, but if you don't keep things in balance and keep things in good homeostatic flow, then you're going to end up kind of backsliding. Exactly. So it's like you could go as hardcore as you want, you know, for six months and get things cleaned up. But if you can't sustain that, then you're going to be back in the same boat. Exactly. You'll just go, you'll just continue perpetuating the cycle. And that's exactly what I've done for the last 10 years. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tricky one, you know, and not to say that you have to be perfect because you don't. I mean, I know that you and I have talked about keeping kind of an 80-20 rule. You know, if you're exactly. good about 80% of the time, then if you slip up here and there, at least you have good baseline health to get back to. Exactly. And and you recover much quicker as mm -hmm. well. And mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the main focus is get yourself to... I think go hard for the first couple of months, really commit to it and get a good base. And the other thing is, is when you're so highly inflamed, you don't know the difference. You don't remember what it feels like to feel good. And you don't know that these symptoms that you are feeling actually are, are your body telling you that this is a problem. So you think that it's normal. You also think maybe it's part of aging. So when you get to a point where you're clean and you're clean and you're, you're lowered from these high levels of inflammation, you're, you're regular in your menstruation. These are good po positive steps towards health. And, and then you realize then when you start to incorporate something of the old past of, you know, sugar or alcohol, let's say, uh, you feel a huge difference and you can feel that difference on your body. And that's motivating, at least for me, it was motivating to say, okay, this feels even worse than when I would, would eat or drink this back when I had high mm -hmm. levels of inflammation. Now I feel complete garbage uh, for the next couple of days versus, you know, previously it wasn't so bad. I didn't feel like it was so bad. I was just used to feeling like crap. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the cleaner things get and the better health you get, you're going to know if something sets you off. That's the thing. Like, it's not like you're going to, not realize you have PCOS. I mean, unless it's maybe so mild that it's not really detectable. But if you're dealing right. with a diagnosable kind of PCOS, you'll know. And unless right. you have a reference point for good health, you're not going to really know what's good and what's bad. It's hard to parse through all that. You'll, you'll realize something's wrong, but there's so much that's wrong. You have no idea what is happening. You don't, mm -hmm. you can't pinpoint one specific thing. And I think no. that's, again, the thing to consider with PCOS is it is a broad spectrum and uh, broad spectrum syndrome instead mm -hmm. of something that's so isolated to one thing like your hormones. Right. Or to the ovaries, like the title exactly. suggests. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah, and like we've talked about before, you know, the ovaries is just kind of the end result of mm-hmm. a much, much larger picture of kind of what's going on. And that's why it can be so hard to pin down. Right. Um, so yeah. lucky for us now, there are tons and tons of resources. I suggest that if there are people who are listening to this that have PCOS that want to learn more, I would highly recommend looking up Elisa Vitti. Um, she wrote a book that's called In the Flow. This is a great resource for women who want to take more of like a, a monthly focus at their cycles and kind of plan out during these four phases. Um, uh, Felice Gersh, Dr. Felice Gersh, who wrote PCOS SOS, has a lot of great resources and, uh, and places to start when it comes to supplementation, diet, and other, uh, I think, functional medicine recommendations. And mm-hmm. then there's another book that's called Healing PCOS by Amy Medling. Um, it's also, I think she goes by PCOS Diva. And it's also a great book because it has a ton of recipes and makes it, puts a lot of it into really simplistic terms. So if you're having a hard time understanding what PCOS is or how to uh, heal from it and heal your body, I think that it's a good place. Those those three are my top recommendations. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for that. And I'll link to all those in the show notes um, so you guys listening can have some easy resources. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. Um, anything else that you want to talk about? I think that the only other thing is I would recommend women who are listening to this and who have PCOS is to start small. And it's a lot of information that we just threw at you. So start small. And by starting small, I mean, find yourself an advocate. So naturopathic doctor, functional medicine, or integrative doctor, uh, acupuncturist, herbalist, these are all great places to start. Um, and know that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It took mm-hmm. me 10 years to get to this point, and, uh, and I still have a lot way, a long ways to go, I think. Um, I'm much better off, but there's always room for improvement. And, and I think the other thing is, is to be gentle when you make a mistake, because you're going to make a mistake. I've made plenty. And you'll go back, and you'll start feeling like crap, and you just have to pick yourself back up and to continue moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, a lifestyle, right? It's not a right. it's not a two week detox. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and I think that the greatest part about all of this is we have, like I said, we have so much information now. We have so many resources, and we have so we're so connected. And especially thanks to COVID, we are connected virtually too. So. We have the ability to talk to people and get advice. We have therapist appointments online. Everything is at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the benefit of everything that's happening, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess there could be a a downside to that, where you get bombarded with a bunch of different uh, information. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, at least. Yeah, at least you have tons of resources at your disposal, mm-hmm. you know. And like you said, it's not going to be the same for every person because it's going to be different depending on who you are and where you're at. Mm-hmm. But and where you're at in this journey too. Absolutely. So many different markers along the way. Mm-hmm. But again, keeping going back to that baseline health, 
in doing these kind of general things to mitigate stress, to keep your diet clean, to deal with the emotional side of things. All mm-hmm. of that is going to directly influence what's going on internally. Exactly. And it all works together and mm-hmm. it all is important. What mm-hmm. you can't just focus on, okay, well, I changed my diet, but something, it's still wrong. Nothing's, nothing's happening. I'm not getting the results that I'm looking for because it's a, it's everything. Just like PCOS is everything, the treatment is also everything. Mm-hmm. It is, absolutely. I mean, again, you're dealing with essentially every system of the body, you know, exactly. and most of the organs, right? And if you have infl- chronic inflammation of the gut, you're not going to be absorbing nutrients, even if you're eating the best diet in the world. Exactly. Right. You know? Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, all of it needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And it takes again, time. It yeah. takes time. And if you start small, see an, get yourself an advocate and start looking at your gut health first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be, yeah, that, I think that's a great place to start. Probably yeah. really the only place to start. I think so, too. So... Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This has been really fun. It was great to talk to you. It was great to talk to you too. And I really am glad that I got to be a part of this. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Ancestral Elements podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave me a rating and review. This will help people find the podcast so we can grow the audience. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to talk to me personally, go to ancestralelements.com slash community to get access to the forum. We go through each episode every week and talk about these concepts and ideas in greater detail, and you can connect with other listeners. 